You're listening to episode number 80 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's episode, I am interviewing my brand new Instagram friend, Sarah Krieg. I met her through relationship marketing. You remember me talking about that a few episodes back about how important it is to network with other complimentary vendors or people who are in the same industry as you. I was featured on her podcast and now I'm so excited to feature her on the Purpose Gathering podcast. And today she is going to introduce this idea of offering video as a photographer and how this has landed her some incredible, amazing opportunities working with companies who she probably never would have worked with unless she offered both video and photography. So I am fairly certain by the end of this episode, you are going to be so inspired and pumped to start offering video in your own business as well. Sarah Krieg is a branding and lifestyle photographer and filmmaker out of Southern California. She is passionate about honest storytelling and never taking herself too seriously. Sarah has created video content for brands big and small, including Motherly, BuzzFeed, Scary Mommy, Huggies, and more. In addition, Sarah, along with her husband Dan, launched the Shared Shutter photography podcast earlier this year. She is one busy mama. And if you want a ton of inspiration for reels and just sharing your personal life, head over to her Instagram account over at Sarah Krieg and give her a follow. She is absolutely fun to follow. So if you are ready to learn why you should consider adding video to your photography services, then let's jump right into today's episode. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mom photographers out there feeling overwhelmed trying to raise a thriving family and build a profitable business you love. I'm a business and motherhood coach, brand photographer, podcaster, wife, and homeschooling mama saved by grace. So I can totally relate to the never ending to-do lists, endless hours of editing, and the trail of messes strewn across the floor. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to step into the role as CEO in your motherhood and your business. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, take some serious action, and embrace hard things for the sake of growth, then you're in the right place. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. I am seriously so excited to have you on today and discuss how we as photographers can start to introduce video into our sessions. But before we jump in, I would love for you to take a minute to just introduce yourself to everyone and let them know who you are, what you do, and who you live with. Oh, who I live with, the plot thickens. Well, hey, I am Sarah Krieg of The Shared Shutter, and I am a content creator out of Southern California. I shoot um, photos and films, and I live with three tiny humans, a set of twins, boy-girl twins that are four, Uh, my son Lloyd, who's seven, all of them made with science, thanks IVF, 
and my husband, Dan, who I met um, when we were living in New York City. And then we decided to start a family. So we uh, abandoned the city and came out towards L.A., where my family's from and where I grew up. Um, And I probably missed something in there, but uh, that's that's the basic gist of me. I love it. No, you hit every point. (laughs) And I just have to share, it is so fun to watch you on Instagram and see your cute (laughs) kids. They do, they do make appearances very often and they are so funny. Your whole family is funny. I love it. Thank you. I love to have fun on social media because my job is creating content for brands and most of that content ends up on social media. I'm a big believer that my social media will just be fun and a love letter to my kids. So I don't put any of my work up there. I just, unless my kids occasionally like they're in a Huggies ad or they do something that I've shot, especially during COVID. Um, but in general, I, I leave my social media just for fun. So I'm glad that you enjoy it because I enjoy it. <laughs> it is so fun. Yes. And people can get a lot of really great insight and inspiration from your, from your page. So yeah, oh, well, I thanks. love it. Of I mean, if you're looking to be unshowered and just a complete mess, I'm your girl. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm there for you. I love it. Everyone <laughs> needs to be more raw and real on Instagram anyways. Yes, so I, I get the it. word relatable a lot. You're so relatable. Yes. <laughs> I, I do agree with that. It's awesome. Well, thanks. So I would love for you to share with us how you originally got started in video because you started in photography and then mm-hmm. made that that addition to your, to your company. So kind of where did that come from? How did that start? And what are the, some of the first things that you had to figure out to make that switch or to make that addition? It's not a switch, but yeah, no, no, no. Great question. I, I was, so when, when I lived in New York, I was um, in a previous life doing musical theater and I was in a, a girl group called the Glamazons. And um, we were in the top 10 of America's Got Talent on season two. And so my job was like touring around in my panties in a plus size pop for less group <laughs> promoting self-acceptance. And we did a lot of, um, we did a lot of stuff, like photos and we had a TV show on oxygen that never aired. So I had, I had a lot of time on set and around cameras, but I was not a photographer or a filmmaker. I was always the talent. And, um, it just was an interesting transition when I got married someone gifted us at our wedding, uh, like a little Canon rebel TI and camera. And I was like, Oh, I I don't know what to do with this. And I got a nifty 50 lens. I started photographing all my actor friends doing headshots and then, um, started really falling into the photography world. And then we had been trying to build a family for quite a long time and struggling with fertility. And I just found that, um, hiding behind the camera gave me some control back and let me feel like I had, some say over the narrative, even though obviously I don't. Um, And so I started documenting that first with photos. And then Lloyd was born. um, And as soon as he came out, he came out with this laugh, like this deep 80 year old smoker cough laugh (laughs) that just was like amazing. And I turned to my husband and I was like, "Uh, pictures will not do. We need video of this child. And um, (laughs) that's when I just like, I deep dived in and I think it was probably always in me because as much as I love photography, there's something incomparable to video and the way it captures sound and like movement, like Lloyd did a weird side army crawl. He never crawled like a normal baby. He, he had all these things that if I didn't have videos of them, a picture is not really going to show that. Um, and I, feel a lot of pressure with photos that they need to be perfect. Like it's one moment in time and it has to 
And with video, I love that you can kind of embrace the imperfection and it's more of an overall emotion. It makes you feel something. So you're not necessarily like, oh God, did I blow a highlight here? Or was the frame rate right? It's like, if you felt something, that video accomplished something. And that's much more my speed. Um, and so I started hitting record and just playing with it. And I, I did everything wrong in the beginning, as we all do when we're learning. And and um, and I loved every second of it. And I just instantly became addicted. And so I started making, adding family films to my packages for other families. And then um, I did a lot of like senior sessions where they, you know, I shoot the senior and then I'd be like, how about a one minute film? And I'd layer in audio of them talking about what they want to do. And it just kind of took off because it became such a device for storytelling for me that I didn't realize I was missing in photography, but it just fulfilled me in a way that um, I hadn't expected. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. Like I didn't know about the New York City thing. I knew that you did <laughs> film and theater, but I didn't realize that you were on America's Got Talent and that you were the talent. Like that's so <laughs> cool to be on the other side, the receiving side and be able to experience that before getting oh, into photography. So that's awesome. My, my deep, dark little secret that someday my kids surfing YouTube will find me dancing in my panties and I'll have to tell them. <laughs> but um yeah, we were like the the first plus size models in Seventeen magazine, and we were the spokesmodels for Torrid in two thousand and seven. So I got to spend a lot of time in front of the camera, and I just you know never once was I like, so what lens are you shooting on? Or uh, I wonder what microphone they're using for this, you know, whatever Access Hollywood. Never did I pay any attention to any of that, and I wish I would have because I could have learned a ton. But um, it was still it's. I think it gave me a good perspective. Um, being on both sides. So it's been a fun journey. That's so awesome. Well, and I think a lot of photographers sort of have that similar experience just in the fact that, well, maybe not. For me, though, I became a photographer after I got married and I experienced being on the other side of the camera and being like, wow, this is a real job. You get paid to take pictures of people like that just sounds so fun. <laughs> I'm like, how did you how do you get into that? And so that's how I got started, too, was being on the other side of the lens. So maybe not yeah. every photographer starts that way, but I think that definitely helps kind of yeah. get our peak our interest, I think. So, oh, I yeah, that's a great totally. story. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. So I would love to for you to share with us some of um, the opportunities that being a hybrid shooter has led you to being able to do both photography and video. Yeah. So yeah, I call yeah, I call it being hybrid and that means I just shoot both. And it's been amazing in terms of opportunities because I know I'm going to be the black sheep here. I know everyone says like niche down, niche down. <laughs> um, I am too unfocused for that. I get bored quickly. I think as an artist, I like to challenge myself. I like to try new things. So I like to do a little bit of everything. And I, I like to try stop motions. I like to try, you know, all the things. And um, so the fact that I do both photos and films allows me to pitch for jobs that I normally wouldn't get. Um, like for example, so I started in family photography, right? That was my genre and that's what I did. And it's hard to sell families on a family film because they don't know what it is. I feel like it's pretty relatively new, although it's becoming more and more um, commonplace, I think. But I would always, anytime a family would book with me, I'd send them an email or whatever and say like, thank you so much. 
here's, you know, what, here are some of our options on locations. Also, if you want to add on a family film for this amount, I think it was like a thousand dollars, or you could get a one minute film for $500. Here's a few examples of, of my family films. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big discount if you want to add one onto your shoot. And that's how I did that. Um, and I would, I would find no one would want one if I just told them about it, but if I showed them one and included a link to it, they all were like, Oh, I I didn't even know I needed that. I need that. (laughs) And then, you know, everyone who ended up booking it, I would always get tons of feedback about the video. Um, like, Oh, the photos are great, but you know, one just hangs on our wall, but we watch that video every day. Or my son has watched that video 500 times. So it, um, I think set me apart from the others and that I offered something nobody else in my area had was offering. And then the same happened for branding. I fell into branding accidentally, uh, because the, the fair, the county fair was looking for someone to create, um, a video and they wanted it to have a family feel, but there aren't, there weren't at the time, this was like five or six years ago, many people making family films. And my brother happened to be like a PR guy there. And he's like, well, I know someone. And so he sent them my work and they're like, great. And so they hired me to make a film of the fair, but like sell it as like a family film um, for a family day at the fair. And then they loved it so much. They're like, hey, why don't we put you on retainer? And I was like, I'm back it up. What is a retainer? (laughs) They were like, well, we're just going to pay you a flat rate monthly. And we would like you to attend our events. And can you also include photos? So I would include like 25 photos and a two minute film of each event. And um, it varies, but I think the the retainer, the retainers vary for me. Now I have a lot of retainer clients and they, they're like the base for me is like a thousand dollars and it goes all the way up to $6,000 a month retainer. And the fair was on the high end of that. And I was like, wow, what is this new world I've never heard of? And so immediately I was like, well, I want to do this because I don't like selling myself. I'm not someone who likes advertising or pushing myself on people. I I am a word of mouth, people find me only type girl. And I think I'm similar to the theater world. When you have a job, you're always looking like, well, what's my next job going to be? Um, and that uncertainty can be unsettling. And so I found this retainer system to be really fantastic. And it just exploded. I realized there were tons of brands who needed that. Um, And I think now I have like five, four, four retainers, five retainers um, that are, have been with me for over four years that just monthly, I know I'm pulling in like 12 grand flat. And then any additional shoots I do for like Huggies or one-offs are additional that I get to bring in. And so my husband stays home with the kids and I do that. But all of those I get because I am able to create video and photos because most of them are looking for like their social media content. And so they need a mix of both. Um, And even though I'm, it seems maybe expensive, it is a discount. If you think about like, I, I pitched to a travel agency who needed like a, a visit Madrid video and then 35 postcards shots and then a Bogota visit Bogota video and, and 25 postcard shots. And I pitched to them on a whim. I don't do travel photography. I shoot people. <laughs> and, but a friend of mine w- knew, like had an association. He said, Oh, they're taking bids. Do you want to put in a pitch? And I was like, Oh, sure. And so I put in a pitch and then I got it. And afterwards I was like, can I just ask, I mean, I have nothing in my portfolio that reflects travel. And they're like, you're the only one who included video in your pitch. Every wow. other person was photo or video. And we're going to be flying you to both. Like they flew me to Bogota, to Toronto, to Madrid, to Miami, to New York multiple times. And they were like, you know, 
it's easier for us to send one person than have to send two people or two teams. Exactly. And the fact that you can get both. And it was an awesome relationship and it was so fun to get to visit those places. And so the thing that set me apart is that I did both. So even though I was the highest pitch, I, I was lower than it would have been for two people, you know, for two different teams. Yeah, so in that's so it's cool. Been awesome. Thanks. I'm sorry. That was a lot of talking, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I fell into all of it. No, I love that because you gave so many different examples of how it sets you apart. And it truly like, I can just see the listeners like wheels spinning and they're like, oh my gosh, like, yes. Okay, Sarah. Now how do I do that? Like, how do I incorporate video? Where do I even start? Because I think a lot of photographers, me included, I am just now getting on the train of starting to do video because I have seen the need for it, especially with the changes that Instagram has made, even though that has been, you know, a long time coming. I feel like photographers are a little bit scared of like, okay, well, what does this mean? And video truly is the next big thing. Like people always need photos, but video is becoming way more popular and people want to watch videos. They want to be entertained. They, <laughs> they are, you know, attention span is a lot shorter now. So we want to see moving feed and moving images and things. So I feel like a lot yeah. of photographers shy away from video because it's different, right? They're used to static still photos. They know the process better. And then they think about video and they're like, oh, but what does that mean when it comes to editing? And what does that mean when it comes to culling and all the things. So can you sort of help us understand like how would we get started? Where where do these people start and what kind of path or what resources do you have available um, to kind of help us get there? Yeah. Well, so first, here's my big pep talk. We all have a record button on our cameras right now, almost all of us. And so hit record, just try it. You know what I mean? Like when you're at my favorite thing to do at sessions because video is, you know, all about the movement and stuff is to record the in-between moments. So like, you know, say we're going to a great mural wall or I'm setting up a shot of whatever the actual getting to the thing is the fun part to video, like seeing the connection and the transitions, those bridging shots. Um, and it doesn't take me any extra time when someone adds a video to their shoot. Very rarely do I, my shoots are about an hour. And if you add video, still about an hour because I, it does, it takes no extra effort to hit record in between, especially for families. Um, like for bigger brands, I'm obviously storyboarding it out. And honestly, like brands like Huggies and stuff, they don't want me to do both. They want me to do video and that's all they hire me for. And occasionally I'll be like, and I got a hero shot out of the box. And I'm like, that's nice. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but, but these small to mid-sized brands and especially, and then also like the families and all that stuff, they, they love it. They love that you can do both. And we all have the capability to do both with our cameras. Cameras are incredible these days. Um, I was a Nikon D750 when I started. The hardest part about those DSLRs is that there is really no autofocus to help you, um, which is fine. It, you know, it's a great way to learn, le- you know, left leaves, right returns or whatever lens. And you got to learn your manual focus. Um, but once I got hired onto Instagram and BuzzFeed for their Vertical U project, they were launching IGTV at the time. And then when they first launched it, it was all vertical. And they chose like 10 content creators from across the world or I guess the U.S. 
to come to BuzzFeed's campus and like they sponsored us to make a series basically. And mine was called mom misadventures of motherhood. And, um, and I was like, well, if I'm shooting vertical, I can't see if I'm in focus because I'm holding my camera vertically. <laughs> I need something with autofocus. And I ended up switching to Sony, um, which was an amazing switch for me. But the it's just, it's amazingly intuitive. All you have to do is hit record. And my only tip of advice is like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to learn, right? Like frame rates and all that stuff. And I have a breakout on, or it's, I guess it's a self-paced course now at the Click community, at Click Photo School called filmmaking for photographers and it's basically and it's, I think it's like 25 bucks and it basically is like three hours of me editing uh, two hours of me shooting and then you see how it all kind of comes together and it's me doing a family session um because I there are a lot of things like frame rates that you want to learn and how to shoot in slow motion and how to add b-roll which is like I like to layer slow motion b-roll over my a-roll which is usually like I don't know. I'm using a lot of terms that probably don't make sense, but I kind of deep dive into all of that in that course. But there's also tons of free content everywhere. I think content, um, we're not short on information. Information is everywhere these days. The one thing I'd say is just everybody seems to get disheartened. They make their first video and they're like, oh, you know what? This isn't as good as Steven Spielberg. I'm not, I quit. <laughs> but it's like, it's, you have to just accept that it's hard in the beginning. Editing is so hard. I use Premiere Pro and now it's, I know it like the back of my hand. It's really breezy. I can edit very quickly. But just like anybody, if you show someone Photoshop and you open it up, it takes them, it takes time to kind of know things. And I have to, I still have things like, you know, you, when I mask off a dust spot or something, I still have to think like, how do I do that? Because it's not something I do often. So I would say just go for it. Hit record. Get yourself a great mic. That's the the only thing that you need is good audio. Um, and what just mic do you it. recommend? Do you have? A, well, a I have. I mean, I I have a ton. But I would say if you're just starting out and you just want to play, uh, there's like a Rode Video Micro um, mic that's like forty bucks, fifty bucks on Amazon, or you can get it from Rode R O D E, and then they, it goes up from there. And that one's great for family films, like native audio. If you're just capturing like the footsteps of a little child running down the hall or the bathwater running. If I'm doing like a brand film for my commercial work, I'm using my Tascam 10L lavaliers and I have a boom mic and I have an H5 zoom that I, I've, I'm always careful with my audio. I need a backup to the backup in case everything goes wrong. So I, I can't be like, oh, we need to call all those people in again to re-record right, that. Exactly. Um, so for those, I go bigger, but for anybody starting, I say like, get the video road micro. It just plugs straight in to your like um, mic jack. Make sure you don't plug it into your headphone jack, which is an accidental oops that happens to everybody the first time they get the mic. And if you're, you know, if you're just looking for native audio and like lifestyle stuff, it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, And that's really, that's all you need. And you can get a free trial, you know, of like Final Cut or, 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 Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve is free. Tons of people use that in LA. So there's tons of editing options for you. And I, I would just say, don't, don't give up. And if you want to start small, like start by making reels. Reels are all the trend. Plenty of people are just make them on their cell phone, but it gives you a feel for editing, cutting to the beat of the music, you know, short form content, why it works, what works. And it's so fun, right? Yeah, I love it. And I know that we have talked on Instagram DMs about gimbals because I was always under the impression that if you wanted to be a professional 
videographer or cinematographer <laughs> that you needed a gimbal. So can you just bust that myth right now for everyone yes. listening? Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> no, I I have a gimbal. I have used it twice this year. I do not use it because I shoot with multi two cams. Like so I have two cameras and I have a second shooter with me on my bigger brand stuff. But when it's a family or a lifestyle, I run and gun, which means I have two cameras with two bodies and two lenses. And I love to shoot on my 2470 zoom, which I was never zoomed before video. And I know a lot of photographers are going to be like, oh, I'm prime only. But they're like the flexibility of a zoom, like it's a 2.8 G series zoom lens. It's amazing. And then I love to shoot on a really long lens, like a 135, because it gives you this crazy creamy bokeh, both in photos and in video. But the handshake can be pretty intense. So I shoot mostly in slow motion for that. So I'm in like 60 frames per second because it's a lot more forgiving on the shake when you slow it down. <laughs> right. Um, but I never use the gimbal unless I am on a big on a big set and we've storyboarded like a follow shot where I'm following someone through something because it really limits my ability. You have to like it count, you know, it's a counterweight system. I have the Zion Crane 2. I know a lot of people have the Ronin. They're they're fine. They're great. But I'm not, I, again, I'm like a run and gun shooter. I want to see something and be like, Ooh, I want a top shot of that. Like when I'm out in Bogota, I don't have a storyboard. I don't have a, I'm just kind of following the beauty of the city. And I don't want to carry around this huge gimbal for the possibility of one smooth steady cam shot when I could find other ways to tell that story. So I find it hinders me more than it helps me. It's come in handy sometimes when I'm on big sets and I really do need like a long steady shot, but very rarely do I use it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say um, save that one for last. Also just fun side note, especially if you're shooting families, they have something called a skate and it's like 30 bucks on Amazon or B&H and it looks like a skateboard and it has a little tripod head. And you just attach your camera to it. And then you can walk your camera on it. I walk it like I'm walking a dog. It's like you put your camera on a skateboard. And I use my neck strap to just roll it in and out. And it's like at kid level, right? It's already low to the ground. And it's a fun way to get a nice smooth shot without investing like, you know, $800 in a in a gimbal. That's awesome. Um, and just see like, do I ever use this? And again, I rarely use that. but <laughs> But it's there. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of affordable ways to just play with it. See if you even like it before it. Cause I think one false thing is people think, oh, video, it's going to be a huge investment, but it's not, you could shoot it now. Like with everything you have, just get a little mic and you're set to go. That is mind blowing, Sarah. Like <laughs> I hope that everyone listening is like, I can do this because that is where I am. That's where I have been is like, I was of the mindset of like, I just don't have time to learn something new. Like video is totally different. And I actually did take, um, I was at a conference once and they had a breakout session for video and it, I can't even tell you how hard it was not to want to turn my camera vertically. <laughs> I'm like, okay, oh. yes, it was so hard for me because I shoot as a portrait photographer so often vertically that with video, you have to stay horizontal. And so I was like, this, this, that was the hardest part for me was just not trying to turn my camera. Oh my gosh. But do you know, so much of that is changing now with like, with reels, especially, and it hurts my feelings. I was one of the few <laughs> people at, at BuzzFeed and Instagram. They were like, you know, vertical is the new thing. And I was like, that 
that is not true. Our eyes see left to right and people are, you know what I mean? Like we, we read left to right in this country, like left to right. Horizontal is the way we see things. Like even looking with my eyeballs, I can see more peripheral, like horizontally, but right. that's my own personal issue. Doesn't matter what I say because vertical is like exploding right now. I do fear like I'm making all these ridiculous, silly reels of my family. I, and for brands, we have a lot of conversations about like, okay, do you want this horizontal for like a banner on your website? Do you want it one by one for Facebook? Do you want it, you know, vertical for reels? And like Huggies was like, we want all of them. And so when we shot it, we had to shoot it with like, okay, we're going to crop this to one by one. And then they're going to want it eight by 10 vertical. And so we added a banner on top and, a, you know, there's a lot of yes. logistics. Um, but I'm just, Vertical is very in right now. I worry like later with my family that we're going to be like watching and they'll be like, why is this turned vertically? You know, like, <laughs> it was a big trend in 2020. Right. Um, but it is really on fire right now. So you should 100% feel free to shoot vertically. You'll be in the masses. People seem to really love it. And I'll also say to everyone out there starting a video, don't be intimidated and feel like it has to be perfect because again, imperfections are what make video great. And even my kids, when they watch reels with me or like scan through, my son, who's seven, can identify an ad immediately if it's shot too well. Like if it if it looks yes. too good, he's like, this is an ad and he'll swipe up. Um, <laughs> and so people like the raw feeling of like a cell phone or someone holding something, like seeing someone's face. They love that kind of stuff. So don't feel like it has to be perfectly cold and edited like maybe you're used to your images being. Um, people right. like raw and real and connection. So when you're shooting for your brand clients, though, and they ask you to shoot vertically, you're shooting with your Sony, though, not with your phone, just to clarify. It varies. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I'm shooting. I'm almost always shooting with my Sony, but there okay. are times where I'll shoot in the Instagram app because they have, you know, all those like costume, like those not costume changes. This is where my theater person comes out. Um, Like they change outfits or like, you know, it's a snap and right. it's like they've changed into something else it's m much easier to shoot that in the app because once you, you'll shoot the first thing and you can shoot it to the music. So I know exactly the amount of time I need. And okay. then I'll have her and I have it on a tripod. Here's my, here's my life hack for those reels where it's like snap, snap, snap. And it's three different outfits and she's standing in the same place. A, you need a tripod. B, film it in the app and you'll film it. You'll have her go change and then you'll tap the align button and it'll come up like an onion skin, like a double layer. So you can see exactly where she was standing in the last clip you just took. And that's how you line them up perfectly. So it looks like, oh, oh, seamlessly. If I was to do it on my Sony, I can't see in the last clip exactly where she was standing. Right. And even when I use a marker, it doesn't always work. So for those transition videos that are um, really trendy right now, I'll shoot that in the app. But otherwise, if I'm doing like, you know, a pretty fun video of someone making a latte or doing something, I shoot it on my Sony. That makes total sense. Okay, cool. Well, that totally busts that myth too, that I have to shoot <laughs> horizontally because that was so hard. I was like, I, but I want to shoot vertically. I'm like, this just feels more natural. But they're like, nope, you have to shoot horizontally because that's how you film. And that yep. is true for certain things, but you just unpackaged how people want different formats. And so that's definitely a question to ask when you are booking video clients is what orientation do you want and what is it being used for? Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey friend, I wanted to take a quick minute and invite you to a free masterclass that I'm hosting on August 26th at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. In this masterclass, I will be teaching you how to purposefully time block your schedule to achieve peace and productivity. You can expect to learn how to create a master task list and establish time blocks, how to assign the tasks and protect those time blocks, and how do you actually stick to the schedule you create? And then finally, we're gonna be talking about how to eliminate distractions to get more done in less time. I don't want your calendar to control you anymore, so if you are ready to grab your free seat, head on over to thepurposegathering.com productivity, and I can't wait to see you there. Oh my gosh, well this is all so... <laughs> helpful. Um, I would love for you to share really quickly, just because I'm super curious, like how does the culling part of finding video clips that you want, like how do you organize that versus photos? Because for photos, I use photo mechanic, which makes the culling so fast. I can cull like 700 images in like less than an hour. It's just crazy how fast they render. But when it comes to video clips, where do you start and how do you organize your footage and what does that look like? Do you talk about that in your um, class? I do. Yeah. I go through all of that in the self-paced course, but I'll give you the abridged version. My number one tip that is different from Lightroom and I learned this the hard way is video in Premiere Pro. If you were to drag and drop the video from your SD card directly into Premiere Pro, Unlike Lightroom, Lightroom backs it up for you, right? They're they're importing it somewhere else and hiding it. So it lives yep. there forever. As soon as you, not Premiere Pro. So as soon as you eject that SD card, all of the files are gone. So oh, wow. wherever you, yeah, it sucks balls. <laughs> that does sound so scary. <laughs> it's uh, unfortunate. And it's something for some reason no one ever tells you. But um, so what I do is I have a very organized library. I work off of an external hard drive because video is huge and I'm often in 4K. So I will create a folder on my external hard drive and I'll label it and I'll label it like, like we were just in Chicago. So I put Chicago trip and then inside there I have day one trip or day one, day two, day three. And if I have multiple cameras for a brand, I'll put camera one, camera two and audio. And, um, and then I'll drag all the files in from that, from that folder. Because if you say you have it on your desktop. And you drag all the files into Premiere Pro. And then you move that folder one inch to the left on your desktop. Premiere Pro freaks out and is like, oh my gosh, everything's gone. Can't find, and you, your, can't find your footage. I can't find anything. Yeah. You moved it an inch to the left. So wherever you put it, you want it to live there. And you can always resync it. You can say, no, 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 I just moved it. Let me find it for you. And you find it for it. It's fine. But um, And some people prefer to work off their desktop. And then when they're done, move the project to their external. But I'm not that organized. I, like it. I just like to know where it's living. So um, I bring it all in from there, drop it. And then there is a way to, because I also shoot mixed frame rates. So 24 frame rates is the cinematic way. That's when you see a movie, it's shot in 24 frame rates. When you see TV, it's shot in 30. And when you see anything slow motion, it's 60 frames per second. That's been slowed to 24 here in the US. There's different frame rates um, in the UK. Or 120 is like the wild card that's super slow motion that not all cameras offer, but nowadays most do. So I will 
highlight all of my all of my uh, slow motion films, and you'll see like they say fifty nine point nine seven six frames per second. I'll right click, modify, interpret the footage to twenty three. So now twenty three point nine seven six. So it's been slowed, and then I highlight them and I mark them as purple. You can like color tab them just like you can in Lightroom. You know how in Lightroom okay. you can choose, and then I'll know like okay, all my slow motion clips are purple. All of my you know regular. 23.976 or green or whatever you choose. And then that way, when I'm flipping through, I have folders and I can be like, oh, I wonder if I have anything from day one at the Bean in Millennium Park that isn't slow motion. So I have some audio of Lloyd saying something to establish it. And then I always try and get when I'm shooting an establishing shot, which like lets us know where we are. So one big wide shot to tell everybody where we are. I try and get a medium shot to tell everybody who we're with. So like, okay, well, wow, we're at Millennium Park. The you know, looking at the bean here in Chicago, you see the skyline. Oh, and then you see a medium shot, like they call it sometimes a cowboy shot from like mid thigh up of Lloyd, Mabel and Walter. And we're like, oh, we're with these three cute kids. So that would be my medium shot. And then a detail shot, which is maybe like Mabel's tiny red curl, you know, reflected in the the reflection of the bean or something like that to make it feel like, oh, I'm really with these people. And then my last shot is I always try and get a bridging shot, which is the shot getting us from one place to the next. So I don't want to just cut and be like, oh, now we're at the aquarium at the shed. I want to see how we got there. So maybe it's a train going by. Maybe it's a, just their feet running on, on the pavement. But I like to have a bridging shot to tell us how we got from one place to the next. And those are the only four things I use. Unlike photos, I feel like photos we shoot for the beautiful light and we shoot for, you know, I don't know, just it's very aesthetic. But for video, you're telling a story. So I don't need 15 clips of the, of them in gorgeous light at this place because I'm only going to use one. And the one right. clip I'm using is probably going to be five to seven seconds long if it is just like a lifestyle film. So I, I really don't overshoot when it's video. I'll get an establishing, I'll get a medium, I'll get a detail, and then I'll put down my camera and enjoy and just have a great time with the kids. Um, so it, it is a lot less pressure because I feel like with photography, we're always like, oh, oh man, now the light's better than it was five minutes ago. And now, yeah. but with photo, I mean, with video, it's a lot more like, oh, this is a cute moment. I'm going to capture it. Okay. I got it. I'm putting my camera. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know? Yeah. So I have a question for those people listening who might not have even toyed around with video yet. Um, but I know that one of the things that I sort of have been like struggled with at first was knowing whether you choose your frame rate in the camera or later. And then the fact that when you choose a slow frame rate, like slow-mo, it doesn't show slow-mo on the back of your camera. So can you maybe give us just a crash course really quick on a frame rate you, like, crash course? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so I say always, I'm a purist. So I'm like 24 frames per second for life is the frame rate to live at. That is the cinematic frame rate and the number one rule you want to follow that is different from photography, which you can break this rule if you're a hybrid and you're worried that you're going to, when you're first starting, I break this rule. I tell everyone break it in the beginning because you don't want your shutter speed to be this low and you're accidentally taking photos, but your shutter speed in video is supposed to be twice your frame rate. So if I'm at 24 frames per second, my shutter speed's at 50. And that's what kind of gives it that cinematic feel. It's got a little bit of motion blur to it, which your eye can't really detect because 24 frames are moving side by side all within a blink of an eye. It's in one second. But if you then all of a sudden snap a photo and it's at 50 
you know, shutter speed of 50, you're going to shoot yourself later when you're trying to deliver that gallery because right. not it's a pretty photo. out of focus. So if, yeah. you, if you need to leave it, like leave it at 250, that's fine. But the, the motion blur is what makes it feel cinematic. So um, I live at 24 frames per second when I'm shooting. And when you're outside, you can't always follow that rule. It's so bright. So they have things like ND filters, but I try and live, leave it at 24 frames per second. And then I choose my slow motion carefully because for me, audio is the real gem of a video. That's the thing that sets it apart from photos. You can layer in audio. You don't, if you, if you decide to slow it down, you can layer it in, but I always choose my frame rate in, in camera. Um, so I'll be 24 frames per second. And then if I see like water or some kind of movement, like my daughter's twirling in a dress and I'm like, well, I need this in slow motion. I just quickly, and mine's just the switch of a dial. Um, I just switch it to 60 and then my shutter speed is up at 120 and I hit record and grab that, that piece in slow motion. It is not slow motion when you put it onto your hard drive. It is just shot in 60, which means now you have the ability to slow it in post. So some okay. cameras like the D850, you can choose slow motion and it slows it for you in camera. It's it'll it'll put it on the card when you save it. You'll see it's already in slow motion, and everyone sounds like this. It's doing it for you. My yeah. voice in slow motion is my least favorite thing. I hear it all the time. Um, but so anyway, you have options. And then I will say sometimes, like I shot something for Disney um, from home during COVID. We did the Disney sing along, and they were like, "Hey, shoot this at sixty frames per second." And I was like. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, Disney. <laughs> it's supposed to be 30 frames if you're TV. And they're like, yeah, we know that. But we want the ability to possibly slow it down. And then we'll drop the frames at export if we decide not to do that. And I was like, okay, so everyone can play differently. And if Disney's telling me that's how they do it, I'm not here to tell them no. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, good, good on you. Um, so I think you can all do it differently. But I, I choose to I choose my frame rates carefully. I do it in camera. And then in post is when I slow it down. And then you just have to remember, like, you can't slow down 24 frames per second. Um, Nivea Walker was talking about this. She's also a great filmmaker. It's like a slinky. If you think of a slinky, when you try and spread that slinky out, you get these gaps, you get these holes. And that's what 24 frames per second is like. If you try and slow it down, you're going to get these holes in your video that feel jumpy. Um, okay. and so it looks, it becomes like a stop motion. It looks really jolty. So you can't slow that down. That's why you need more frames to get it buttery smooth and slow it to be able to stretch it without having any gaps in there. Um, but you know, you'll, you'll play with it and you'll start to learn like, you know, some people like slow motion all the time and that's their favorite thing. I like it just buttered in as like B roll over top, but I love the real life moments, these giggles and stuff that I feel like you know, are very poignant. And there's sometimes like I shot my son having skull surgery at children's hospital. And I did it as a personal project for myself, again, with the whole like therapy coping thing. Um, and I shot the whole thing in 24 frames per second, because I didn't want any piece of that story to move slower than it had to. It already felt like painfully slow. His, his, you know, surgery was seven hours long. He was in the hospital for five days. They took his skull off. It was a lot. Wow. And I didn't want it to be longer. <laughs> I didn't want it to move slower. And I yeah. wanted to hear the beeps of the hospital machines and the doctors coming in and out. And actually, Children's Hospital saw it and then they licensed it. And it's now their promo video for it was their video for 2020 to raise money. And it's the video they show to every parent coming in to have surgery there. They play it at Costco's during September in L.A. Um, oh, my gosh. To raise that's awesome. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a, I've found a lot of 
luck in like creating something for yourself that you're passionate about will resonate with others. So if you're like, well, I don't know what I'd even start with, or I don't know what I'd even film, film something you're passionate about. Find a story that you love. I documented our IVF journey. A lot of people related to it. Motherly shared my, I filmed my own birth video because I'm a weirdo like that. (laughs) Um, When I had the twins and they ended up in the NICU for a month and Motherly shared it, it got like 10 million views and they were like, oh, it's raised so much awareness about the NICU. And it's just like, those projects help feed my soul. They're, they're me giving back to things I'm passionate about, the experiences we've had, um, and getting to make other people feel less alone. And I think that's a great thing for video. And, and then who knew that that was like, oh, I didn't even think of the hospital. Yeah, they are a brand. I didn't think of it as a brand. So, you know, oh wow, it just layers in there. Right. So there's, there's so many opportunities. So if you feel like, well, I'm really passionate about air quality, that's a brand, you know, that's a, that's a thing. There are people out there who need that story told or whatever cooking, you know, any of the things that you're passionate about, find, you know, 20 minutes and film a tiny little thing about it and have fun with it. Oh my gosh. You've inspired me, Sarah. I want to go take a video (laughs) now. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing openly your wealth of knowledge. I am so excited for everything that you've taught the listeners, myself included, and I will be sure to link everything that you mentioned in the show notes. Um, and before before we leave, I would love for you to just share with everyone where they can find you over on Instagram and how they can connect with you otherwise. Oh, yeah. Well, I am Sarah Krieg on Instagram, S-A-R-A-H-K-R-I-E-G. And then um, we also have a podcast called The Shared Shutter, which is at Shared Shutter on Instagram. And I'm uh, com. if you want to actually see some of the stuff I shoot for brands. Otherwise, the Sarah Krieg Instagram is just me having silly fun with my kids. Um, But feel free if you, like, I know video feels overwhelming, but if anybody feels overwhelmed after listening, send me a DM or look up. There's so many incredible female photographers and filmmakers out there who want to share and um, Sarah Mason's a great one. Nivea Walker's a great one. So many of us do so many different things like Ashley Marston makes great birth photography films like birth films it's just we're all out there and we all want to share so um, feel free to reach out to your favorite filmmaker and ask some questions awesome thank you so much Sarah for being here on the podcast today we so appreciate you and your time thank you thanks for having me oh my gosh mama was that not absolutely amazing That conversation with Sarah has me so lit up and fired up to go shoot some amazing videos. I love all the tangible, actionable steps that she gave us, and I love that she just encourages everyone to start somewhere. When you first picked up a camera for the first time and you learned how to take photos, it was scary, right? And as she said, even learning Photoshop was difficult. But it's so worth it to be able to expand our offerings and to be able to set ourselves apart and really stand out among the crowd. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot of it, share it out on Instagram and tag me at The Purpose Gathering and Sarah at Sarah Krieg and share with us your biggest takeaway. 
I hope that you have learned something new from this episode and that you are super encouraged to go out there as well and give video a shot. Until next time, Mama, I am always here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You can do hard things, and life is about more than just surviving. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our free online community and connect with like-minded mom photographers, head on over to thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this girl, and I can't wait until next time.